I would say as an Indian woman, it's been difficult because I've always thought that just one income isn't ever going to be enough. Uh, but because I've been brought up around business, that's you know, heavily influenced me. The book's intention is to introduce Punjabi to the children, to get them to start using Punjabi in their day-to-day -day language, just that little bit more, become more confident. She's uh, She was turning one and I thought, well, you know, she needs to have a Punjabi book. And I thought that was just so simple. Looking on the internet, on Etsy, Amazon, eBay, there was nothing. I thought, I don't want people then saying, oh, this is wrong and et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, I've had a, an official translator, so either they're wrong or you're wrong. Any business has the potential to be as big as you want it to be. So I can actually announce now. My guest today is a real estate solicitor and a property invest investor before becoming a self-published author of the Happy the Hathi books, which aim to keep the Punjabi language alive. Thank you for joining me, Rubina Gore. Thank you for having me, Culture Cast. No worries. Um, what I like to do is always just start off at the beginning and what you were like as a kid and your upbringing. So if you could just talk to us about what young Rubina was like. Yeah, so I was brought up in a shop in an English area and um, I'd say back then there wasn't that much emphasis on not eating that much sugar etc mm. as a child so with access to a shop I now have a very sweet tooth mm. uh, eating chocolate milky bar I know is my favourite because my granddad used to give it to me all the time um, and yeah so it was I'd say not a strict environment uh, but because I've been brought up around business that's you know, heavily influenced me. Um, speaking Punjabi, my dad would only reply to us in Punjabi. He knows English, but he just thought, you know, it's an, an important thing to know. Um, yeah, and that, that's it really. Education-wise, I was known to be quite clever. Don't know if that's the case now. <laughs> um, and that's it really. It sounds like quite a sort of stereotypical or typical sort of like upbringing for uh, a second generation or first generation immigrant depending on like shop yeah. life and upbringing like that and uh, speaking Punjabi in the house and then going out and speaking English it's, it seems quite a typical thing because I, I was brought up the same way we've got shops and mum and dad speak Punjabi in the house and then yeah, you, you do get a bit of size from all the sweets that you eat um, growing up but um, it sounds quite uh, sounds like quite typical upbringing but yeah um, so you had the business emphasis that you were saying that you were growing up around and um, I've seen that during university you had like multiple jobs and you were always having like sources of income. Yeah that's because I always thought that just one income isn't ever going to be enough and obviously I've seen that from my parents because they've got the shop and then they had properties as well and at university didn't have any grants bursaries or anything so it was just something that I need to think well I need money to save and I need money to do nice things as well because parents aren't going to just hand out money um, although we're still expected to work in the shop you know because I wouldn't have gone to university without the shop so and I don't mind it's obviously helped in terms of work ethic so I worked in retail you know loved the discount who didn't <laughs> and yes yeah, saved my money and that's how I bought my first property was working throughout university and um working after I even worked whilst I was at college on top of shop life 
hundred percent. Uh, we have this conversation with me and my mates all the time because um, a lot of my friends up here do also have shops and the benefits that like obviously you don't like it when it's a Friday night and you're stuck in the shop and your mates are out but afterwards you find out the work ethic that it instills is 100% like you, you appreciate it more afterwards definitely. Yeah absolutely and shop life is so hard but I've had to look after the shop for a couple of weeks on my own and we've got papers so it's like six till nine mm. it's just draining I think because it's just such a busy shop as well and you've got all customers chit-chatting all the time and then you want to try and do a bit of stuff on your phone or iPad and you just you can't do it without you know obviously you have to run the shop properly but yeah it's been good growing up in that environment and that's why I am where I am. 100% um, and then you went on to do um, your law degree and then get um, go into the law profession uh, and I'm guessing that's how because you said you were a real estate solicitor, so that probably went hand in hand with the property investing, I imagine. Yeah, well, I don't know. I feel like the property investing is just a typical Asian thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. It's, uh, it's an easy thing to do. Just, you know, find a property, do it up a little bit and put it on rent. It's nothing else you have to do, really. Just a bit of management, legislation, and there we go. So it's, it's an easy thing to do with money coming in not everybody wants to do property because sometimes you know things go wrong and you lose some money but in the long term it's an absolutely really good investment and that's what I'll continue doing and eventually I do want to flip houses as well mm -hmm. um got no experience in it I've helped my dad sometimes so it's just that's the only experience I've got and it's a challenge and I like a challenge exactly if you're interested in it and if you're willing to tackle the challenge then and, and you can make an income at the same time then you may as well do you know what I mean um and yeah. then I mean it's stress and then you I seen on an ITV interview you were saying that this year obviously because of Covid um the solicit you already started Happy the Hathi before um Covid started is, is that correct no so I started Happy the Hathi end of April start of May right okay 2020 then, so yeah so we were in lockdown then so working from home that that's how it started oh so you started it in lockdown and then when you lost your your job um i don't know if it's okay to talk about that aspect but you were saying that you you could go um put more emphasis into happy the hati and then obviously grow it full-time yeah i mean absolutely i mean lots of solicitors lost their job especially the real estate market because it just everyone just froze and panicked and the instructions and work it just dropped I went from doing probably eight hours chargeable a day to not even an hour sometimes so and that was the reality of it and they just couldn't afford to keep me on so that that's practically I would say that's practically what it was um and then it's given me the time to then grow happy the hot tea and I was able to roll out three books very quickly you know I had to do a lot of research into the formatting the background colors the words that I have to use so it was a blessing in disguise and I have accepted another job now and I've been working since October so I only had like two and a half months full-time working on happy the hot tea um so it's bittersweet at the moment because I'm back doing the job that I love because mm. I, I love working in real estate, love working with the contracts and the leases and closing everyone's deals. But then Happy the Hutty is a bit on the back burner. So I'm just trying to fit it all in. I do have um, 
one day off a week. And I would say to anyone else that is thinking of pursuing any other interests is ask if you can work four days or four and a half days. That's what I do in four days. It, you know, you do get a bit less pay, but then you've got a, a bit of that freedom break because the job that we're in is quite high pressured. And then you've got time to work on other interests. So that I'm fitting in happy the hearty that way. It's not as much time as I'd like to put in, but I'm getting the best of both worlds. How do you like, um, how do you get everything fit in time management wise? Because I imagine a legal job and pursuing uh, self-publishing books at the same time is they're two really big things. And then chuck on the property side, if there anything comes up on that side as well, it's you, you're probably a very busy woman, I imagine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, have you seen those memes where it says I'm trying to work, uh, have a social life, uh, work out and uh, look great. And the, the meme is always like crazy. That That's me. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I've actually asked a graduate to help me with a few things in terms of PR. So I got that ITV thing by myself. Like we just chatted on Instagram and she said it's a really good story. We'd like to cover it. And I've had a few people come to me, like, like yourself, through Instagram. But I want to roll it out a bit more. I mean, that's what business is. People that say they've been in magazines, papers, podcasts, etc., advertising, it's not everything lands on your doorstep. You need to go out and get that. So I've got that graduate going out and asking, would they like to cover a story, etc.? Because then that's exposure on not only me as a real estate solicitor, but also the books and that is the main thing that I want to do the PR for so mm -hmm. I've got someone helping me do that so that's helped me with a bit of time and then I've also just spoke to um someone that's just left school doesn't know what they want to do um and I've asked them if they will help me contact influencers so that's another aspect where you can grow any product or service that you'd like and contact uh, influencers and with Happy the Hearty I've created an affiliate marketing so if they share the book, then any sales, they would get 10% um, and then it increases as, as you get more and more sales. So I'm asking her to then roll that out. So really I'm at work and I've got someone looking at the PR and then someone contacting influencers. That's a, that's really good. That's probably, I, I assume um, you haven't, have you had any like marketing sort of experience or uh, like formal education in marketing or is this just your, your shop life coming to pay off? Like you, you get any business experience from the shops and uh, your family, I imagine. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I don't know if you had the same experience. I mean, years ago, we always used to do um, leafleting every uh, wintertime Christmas, going around all the houses, putting the leaflets through the doors, and you just had to keep on going. And that's how you'd get the business. So it's the same concept. If I want to reach out across the world, I need to reach out to people that have that reach. So mm -hmm. it is the influencers, it's the magazine. So it's just keep sending them. So they're my leaflets. So yeah, I mean, like my leaflets through email and DMs, and yeah, that that's the main emphasis, and just helping out. I mean, that school leaver, I'll, I'll be paying her, and she didn't have anything to do and didn't have any direction, so it's helping her out as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. As you said, the ITV thing that happened recently. How did that? Um, you said they contacted you. How how did you find? uh like exposure wise did you see like a direct impact of like one night you're on itv the next morning you see your numbers spike or book sales like what was that like yeah so it's book sales mainly 
as soon as it was out, I already knew. So she didn't confirm, oh, we're showing it today. It's because it kept changing. Because with the news, if you don't fit in with that generic news that they got for today, then it will just roll over to the next day. So she kept saying, oh, it's today. Oh, it's today. So it kept changing. But I already knew because my phone was just pinging with sales. So right. that did work out really well for me. And um, with how I've set up my store, so it's through Shopify, is that people automatically have to tick whether or not they want to have the newsletter so anyone else again newsletter no matter what you're doing is so important because you can send out the current news send out links to your services send out links to your tiktok or youtube etc and um, that's worked out well because then i've done follow-up newsletters and then i've got more sales from that which you are the ones that watched itv as well and had those odd few sales so that helped me out massively. I did do a few of the bits of marketing with an influencer, which I also won't um, say. That didn't get me any sales, I think one sale. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, one's yeah. better than nothing, but I'm sure you were hoping for more. <laughs> it is, but I had to pay a lot of money for it. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's probably not actually worth it then. Um, yeah. And when when you started Happy the Hathi, um you said back in March, April, at the beginning of lockdown. Why was it that you thought of a children's book out of everything? Like, have you always had a passion of uh, reading and or have you always wanted to make a children's book or was it like, was it a specific thing that happened that led to you creating this? Yeah, so I love reading and I always think that everyone should read, although we don't get enough time I mean as you can imagine like I said I'm ramming so much into my day I don't read as much as I would like but I do always get presents and the present will be a book and this was for my cousin's daughter she's uh she was turning one and I thought well you know she needs to have a Punjabi book because her mom doesn't really know Punjabi and the father doesn't know Punjabi at all so I thought well baby Punjabi book using English language and I thought that was just so simple. Looking on the internet, on Etsy, Amazon, eBay, there was nothing. There was the odd few by the, the same person, but I didn't like the style and the format because it was the paper, paperback book. Right. Whereas these, so I've, got, I've got them here, they're board books. So you can see how thick they are. The pages are very thick yeah. and they last a long time. Um, so that's what I was looking for. And I looked online to see if I can customise a blank one, which you can, you can input your own text, etc. But it was so expensive. I think it was like 50 odd pound. And I thought, geez, I'm not paying that for yes. one book. So then I started to do a bit of research on sourcing my own materials, illustrators, printers, yeah, rules and regulations. Obviously I had to look into that as a lawyer. <laughs> um, and that's literally, I think I planned it all out within a couple of hours of what oh, I was really? going to do. Yeah. So, and that's how it started. So did you come up with like, you said in a couple of hours, did you come up with like the idea of Happy the Hathi and the story and what it was going to be in them couple of hours? Or did you think when you say in them couple of hours, is it just, I'm making a children's book in Punjabi with the English language? In the couple of hours, it was, I thought the name Happy the Hathi because I googled the animal of India, which is Hathi. Um, so I thought of the name and I thought of like the first, I'd say, 20 titles. Um, 
and that was it and then obviously the other aspects of uh, how I'm going to market it where I'm going to market it but I didn't have the content by then so the couple of hours it was all titles and happy the hot tea and where I want to reach so obviously like Australia here uh, Europe uh, America and Canada those were like the main areas and then what am I get what platform so Shopify and that was it so that took a couple of hours and then the rest of the day and the, the um, evenings after that because at that point I was working was sourcing an illustrator I actually drew out everything that I wanted um, but I can't draw so they're actually quite <laughs> funny to look, to look back um, but I had a very specific image in my mind so I actually went through two illustrators the first illustrator just wasn't getting I mean the drawings were great but it's not what I had in mind so mm -hmm. then I had to you know close that deal and think well I need to find another illustrator and that's how, I found, how I've worked with her and she had never done books before she'd only ever done like one piece so we've worked together quite well and we've both learned quite a lot that's good that's good I imagine like um making a book like you were saying there the the illustrator thing was probably just one problem that occurred I imagine that it wasn't all smooth sailing like what, what were some of the other problems that when when a person receives their book they're going to see this end product but what's the sort of things that they won't see that went into it right okay so there's quite a few things <laughs> there was um when I found the manufacturer so I sent over the pdf and obviously she saw that I was Asian and uh she said right I'm I've quoted you for this etc and I'd already paid she's like I'm gonna print it she goes but um I want to check she's like it's not an Arabic book is it because you've got it the wrong way round <laughs> and I was like what she was like because the way that it prints, it needs to be in the reverse, the, the front page does. And I was so glad that she told me because she's, even though she printed it on paper, it's printed as spreads. Mm -hmm. And then I still would have said, yep, that's good to go. Please print. So she would have printed a thousand board books back to front, basically, as if they were Arabic books. So I'm so glad that she told me that. Um, the other thing was before that was looking at, oh, do I need barcodes, ISBNs? I knew barcode, but I didn't know what an ISBN was, which is like an, an like another barcode for the library. So it's anywhere in the world, if you type in the code on the book or search Happy the Hutty, it will come up because that is basically the printable around the world. Right. I never knew yeah. that either. I think that's on yeah. Amazon as well, isn't it? So you can you can type that little barcode into Amazon as well. Yeah, so you can find it, I'll tell you yourself. And then the other one, which some of you may or may not know, is the biggest one is, so we've got Happy the Hearty, Burns Baby's First Words. This is the first book. And it's all great, it's all formatted correctly, etc. Nothing wrong with it. But then on the spine, and if anyone is thinking about buying, these are going to be worth a lot more money if and when I become a, a success there's an eye missing in Punjab. So oh. apparently misprints are gold dust. So I've kept quite a lot of these myself. <laughs> so um, yeah, because I'm part of a, a publishing group on Facebook and uh, got their advice. I mean, Facebook groups are awesome. So if anyone's looking to think of a service or product, you know, Facebook groups are the best. And they were all like, just carry on selling them. And then when you get close to your, how many, you know, if you've only got 50 odd left, then announce it. 
and watch people buy them like crazy because anyone loves misprints because there was quite a few of uh, there's been quite a few of different children authors and everyone just seems to want to buy misprints because I think in the future it might be worth a bit of money so I've kept quite a few myself and I actually close to uh, the end of this batch so you won't get any more misprints <laughs> yeah it is weird like there's a lot of um since like COVID's kicked off there's been a lot of like collectible things like cards and um I don't know if you're familiar with like Pokemon cards and it's going to get a bit nerdy at the moment but there's a few of them which have been selling for crazy amounts of money and it's like the ones from the like the original set like 20 30 years ago and the ones that have misprints on I think are more valuable than like the next batch because the next batch aren't as like rare it's very it's very weird but obviously you, you learn these things when things like this happen do you know what I mean yeah it is I mean I panicked and I, was, I already contacted the uh manufacturer and she was like well although like I've approved them they've approved them it must have been something in between of you know when they were the wrong way around etc it must have been something then but um, I'm not angry with her or anything and it's worked out for the best really because I've learned to triple check print ask her for a double print out um so that it can be approved I mean that was the tiniest thing um and I probably would have had to have had the hard copy by then. But because of the cost, and I was trying to limit my cost, I didn't get a board book flown over before mm. approving them. Because board books, although people are like, oh, where did you get it printed? When I say China, they're a bit like, oh. But board books, you can only print in China. You can't get any other printers anywhere. Anywhere in the world? No. Oh, didn't know I, Yeah, I even tried to get closer to Europe but they, they just don't print them. I think because it's quite expensive to print board books like the machinery. Um, but my activity books, etc., I've been looking in Europe to get them printed just so it's quicker to get here. And although it's more expensive, it's the carbon footprint as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that about um, the, the cardboard ones, but as you said before, like you would rather have that than the paper one because... Uh, a one-year-old like you were saying for your, your cousin's daughter they're probably going to have them in the mouths and all this stuff and they won't be yeah. really useful after a couple of couple of days whereas a cardboard one's way more useful that's how I actually came across um came across Happy the Hattie as well back in uh July well it would have been June so July I have two nieces and both of their birthdays were coming up and um I had basically the similar idea of like let's let's not just get them the generic sort of like coloring dolls or coloring pencils or dolls and things like that um and I f that's how I stumbled across Happy the Hati which was uh I think oh very good yeah I know yeah it was um I, I, there was a few places that it was on so one was uh Amazon I think it was on and then I seen it was on Punjab 2000 and Ditsy, Ditsy Blitz they both did articles yeah. at the time as well um so yeah, your marketing genius is working definitely. <laughs> well, I'm um, glad it come up with those articles. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, um, I think that I think I first seen it on Amazon and then typed in "Happy the Hathi" and then the articles and in, uh, into Google and then they came up like that. So shout out to them websites as well for for helping out. Yes, yeah, thank you. Um, and you said that you were you didn't want to go through like publishing through another sort of company you set up your, your own what uh what does that entail like setting up like a publishing company nothing really i'll say no. as it is it's just yeah you just create a company when you put the type it's just publishing house that's 
that's, that's all it. it is. It's because, yeah, because as an indie, we're, we're classed as indie publishers, um, you can't just publish it yourself. You need some like a, a publishing company. So mm. that's all it is. I mean, you don't even need to register at company's house. It can just be, this is the publisher. And it's worked out well for me because I've got Happy the Hearty Learns Baby's First Words, but this is first of many types of books I'm hoping so mm. it might not be Happy the Hearty that's another book it'll be it'll still be published under Thinned Publishing so it's worked out quite well. That's good that's good um, and you were saying earlier that um, with the spelling mistake on the side I am notoriously bad for anyone who like um, knows me personally I hate when English typing is like in WhatsApp groups because I've got cousins from India and stuff and they type like that and I can never get the right spelling. So how did you figure out which way is the right way to spell certain words? Yeah, well, there isn't a right way because you can't translate Gurmukhi, which is what I would do it from, not Sharmukhi. I, you can't translate Gurmukhi to English. Hmm. So there is always going to be that slight variation. Um, I checked things with my dad I checked things with Google, but Google wasn't always right. Um, <laughs> Shock because, there. You, you know, I would be familiar. I would be familiar with the words. I'm like, no, that's not right. So um, I check with my dad. Um, the latest books that I've got, I've actually had an official translator. So okay. they've been able to verify them because I thought I don't want people then saying, oh, this is wrong and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm like, well, I've had a, an official translator, so they're wrong or you're wrong yeah so and like I said I mean the official translator they appreciate that again like anyone you just can't translate word for word in English yeah yeah. and that's all it is there's there's so many different like uh depending on who you're speaking to I'm I'm going back to like whatsapp groups when I when I say this but depending on which chat you're in like you'll see the same word but it's spelled three different ways in three different whatsapp groups like it's even if like it's the simplest word like or something like that and it'll be spelled so many different ways I'm thinking how how have you like managed to just get the a formal unified way to get it done because it seems so complicated it is, yeah. I mean, I have noticed that when you speak to people from actual Punjab, they use shorthand and it's the same with us. Like mm-hmm. we've gone from hello to hi and yeah. it's the same with them when they're doing, I've got people that send me a uh, Sasfigology, they put S-S-A-G. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's just their shorthand. So again, it's just, I've gone let's say I've picked a word and I've googled and I've looked at general chats I've asked the translator I've asked my dad and I've asked our group chats like our family group chat and we've always gone with the majority right that's that's good then so it's not just like it's not just um one way because then there could be discrepancy it's like it's tested and proven so nobody can nobody can say anything yeah I mean there will be some people that say things because got to remember that and like the English language there's going to be different words for the same thing yeah so I've just gone with um the one commonly known to me mm-hmm. and again it that there's disclaimer on the on the website that there's different words for different districts of Punjab or general words but I think people buying these books 
appreciate that and they literally just want their children to know a Punjabi word for it they will be familiar with it anyway um so it's just the book's intention is to introduce Punjabi to the children to get them to start using Punjabi in their day-to-day language just that little bit more become more confident mm-hmm. um and, and that's what it is and then the parent will become more confident as well sometimes we've been speaking to English to your children so long it's like what are you going to introduce Punjabi when you've got that books as the bridge and then you've got the books that are in English and then they might feel more comfortable going to Punjabi school and to actually learn Kurumukhi because I, I think it's absolutely great if you go and learn how to read and write Kurumukhi uh, mm-hmm. but that's not the intention of these books this is just to introduce Punjabi trying to get it in the everyday language and not to lose uh, the Punjabi language. Yeah, because I've seen that um, on one of the articles that um, you d- you've done a, like a lot of research into it as well, and you found that many young parents don't speak Punjabi in the house. So to introduce it again is obviously like that first barrier is is overcome through such a lovable character. It's like a, a little cute elephant. Yes, yeah, and and that's the intention. And I've had so many messages from you know aunts and uncles, grandparents as well, saying that they're really happy that someone's thought of this, although so simple. I don't know why it's only just come about now. Um, so simple, but it's really effective. I mean, my nieces, when they see an elephant now, they won't think elephant. They'll be like, hutty. Like that, that, that's what they'll say. So it's just thinking of it in their mind and they'll repeat the words and that's how children learn. So these books are, they should be seen as not just Punjabi books, but dual language books. So you're not only teaching uh, the child Punjabi, it's English. So you're teaching them hello and house and car uh, and you're teaching them in Punjabi as well. When you were doing your research, what what else did you find out? um, I've seen you said that there's like cognitive, you you were looking into cognitive behavioural children and like the impact that reading has. You talk a bit bit more about that as well. Yeah, so the main research is how children actually absorb the words and repeating is um, a a big thing for children but also it is that they can only see the words and actually remember them if it's on like white so all the books all these first like board books are on white pages because that it will absorb in their minds the word will stand out for them Whereas if it's on a very colourful page, their mind's not going to be able to focus on where they're meant to be looking at and reading. So, And that's why you will find a lot of um, early years books are on white. They love great images, etc. But that's the main reason is that it needs to be on white. And also for children, um, the, the lettering is a certain type. So A is... I don't know if you can see that A needs to be like the simple how children are taught to write the simple circle and a stick whereas if it's the other way you know what's a posh age many people don't write like that on day to day they they won't be able to grasp it as easily so because it's a dual language why make it difficult and just you know go along with the rules that the child's going to be able to learn um and again, association with the characters is a big part of learning and the excitement. So that's why I've gone with a character leading the journey of learning Punjabi. 
and also that will help with everything else in the future if it's around based on a character so that, that's the best way that it works and um, there's other aspects that children learn so even if your child isn't speaking um they are still listening and it's just like when they say you should talk to the baby whilst it's in the womb it's exactly the same read to the baby so that they you know start to become familiar and even looking at the pictures because they will absorb it I was going to say the pictures are probably a, a good focal point as well because like context like the kids can pick up things um in context like even if like not just uh, not just from picture association but if they listen to a conversation they can hear the tone of voice being aggressive they'll know that like uh, that thing's probably a negative word or if it's like said with a massive smile um, then they probably think it's positive word and things like that as well so the pictures probably help in that respect I imagine. Yeah absolutely and it's like when you're telling a story to a child you put more emotion into it and when it's like oh they're scared or you know they're happy it's like you that, and that's how it's taught so yeah that's absolutely right they associate the emotion when you're telling the story with the words and the pictures and at the moment it, the, there's three books isn't it so there's the the, the first one was um just general words that, that you had picked up there yeah, yeah. Just so baby's words. words yeah and then the, what were the uh, proceeding to so i've got happy the hearty learns colors and the one, the, the thing that I like about this book, it's got the, the song at the end. So the ones that uh, children <gasps> sing at school, but it's got the Punjabi colours, so Lal and Bila. So that's quite nice because then they'll remember, they'll know the tune from school mm-hmm. or even if, you, you know, you're reading it when they're younger. Um, but then they'll also be able to associate it with uh, the Punjabi words. And then there's numbers. So... This is numbers to 10, but what I most like about this is the numbers are associated with things in Punjab. So it's like three jalebi, then jalebiya, you know, jar, dol. And it and that will bring up a conversation about, you know, if they don't know what jalebi is, oh, what's a, a jalebi mom or, you know, what's, what's a drum? When, and then it's just opening up conversation as well. So I, I do like those aspects of it. And then I've got, which you've probably seen on social media, is I've got the activity book. So I did a Kickstarter campaign and that went really well. I had so much support from my LinkedIn contacts and actually social media. And I raised the £2,000 that I was looking for through people buying books or just simple pledges. So I'm working on another board book. Uh, probably can't disclose that one yet right. <laughs> and uh, that yeah that will go to the people that chose that board book but then a lot of people also picked an activity book that activity book gosh it's probably took me four and a half months oh wow and that's the longest yet because looking at the the tasks and then having to look at um how to put it in Punjabi and I wanted it more of an educational activity book mm-hmm. and then there's the other thing which you probably know is about it's CE mark no I've not heard of that so when when you look at things now so you will notice it everything's got a CE mark on majority of things have a CE mark yeah. and um, that's just saying that it's a European standard and in fact mm-hmm. that's actually not 
that high because there's there's I think FSC which is an even higher standard and my printers that's what they've got but if I want a CE mark I have to pay a couple of thousand pound and I'll oh, wow. put her book so I'm thinking well do I really need that so I've had to do research into it and because they're educational books I don't need it and again with the activity book because it's more educational I don't need a CE mark um, and because it's already at the highest standard, um, I don't need to, you know, print that on the book. So that was another hurdle that I'd come across. So, and again, because I've had to do so much research into it, that's why the activity books took such a long time. And I wanted to include stickers because kids love stickers. Um, they just want to stick them everywhere. And I want to include sticker pages in there. And that also took up a lot of time because I need to look at the regulations and the glue that the manufacturer is using etc and because they were meant to be in circulation before Christmas like November mm-hmm. um, and I only on kickstart I only added an extra month because they were all oh, in case posted late etc but they're actually not due January now so that's already two months late oh no so yeah and they've missed the Christmas market um so it's a bit disappointing but there's nothing I can do and I've just had to accept that if I rushed it then and I did need to see Mark then that would have just been pointless whereas I've had to do the research and I've done the research into the glue and the stickers and the formatting and I wanted the child to get the best out of it and Instagram again is good for the polls because it was coming up really expensive mm-hmm. and I wanted the activity book to be like $3.99 but <laughs> it's costing me more than that to actually produce it so they were actually quite good when I put price points. People were like eight ninety nine, seven ninety nine. Most people think the average ended up being about seven forty nine. I can't okay. actually recall because I haven't got it in front of me what the price was. I think it's seven ninety nine that I ended up putting on there. Um, so that's actually ended up being really helpful. The other book that I've got is um, Learning to Tell the Time. Okay. So, yes. Again, that's taking such a long time because doing it in English is something else and then trying to put it in Punjabi and how we tell the time Punjabi is something else yeah so a couple of more months and I should be able to release that as well but I think that's an important one because I've got nieces and nephews that are a lot older like I'd say 11 12 and they can't tell the time yet yeah I was gonna say like um to be fair even when I was a kid like going to Punjabi class and stuff I don't think we even touched on some of the more practical side of like telling the time it was more just like this is how you read this is how you write whereas that sounds a lot more practical and I imagine the grammar issue is the thing that you alluded to because the grammar is obviously a lot different to English yes yes it is I mean even just um because then I've got to appreciate minutes because we are now have you know 60 minutes and then at that point when you're learning to tell the time you already know your number one to 60 mm-hmm. but the Punjabi books I've only gone to 10 and I've got the activity book. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to have to include a page for numbers to 60. So there's got a lot more pages in there. And again, with that, I'm trying to make it a white clean book so that I've got blank clocks in there and the parent or whoever's teaching them can just put hands and then like, tell the time, wipe it away, tell the time, wipe it away. Yeah. Um, so that again is, is proving a bit difficult because of the CE mark. But because it's educational, I don't need a CE mark, but certain retailers require CE mark. And at that point, I would hopefully be looking at 
trying to roll it out to some retailers. Um, I've seen on your Instagram today, you already have a few retailers that have the book as well. Do you want to give them a shout out for obviously having the book? Yes, some double roots in Smethwick. They've been very good. Um, they've got a store, so please go and visit them. They've got literally anything and everything you can think of to help preserving the Punjabi culture and language. It is a great store and Taj is very nice there. They, they sell online as well. I'm sure they sell through Amazon. Um, but yeah, especially now, I mean, feel free to go to the store. You don't have to wait around for postage because I hear Royal Mail's about two, three weeks delay and my post for my books, I'm just getting emails all the time and there's nothing I can do about it. It's just the post and I think with COVID, they've got skeleton staff. Mm-hmm. So it's just things to delay. But yeah, Punjabi Roots stock them. And then it is through Amazon. I've got some on eBay, my Shopify store. And I am reaching out to any of the stores that want to stock them. And if you're listening, feel free to get in contact. Um, yeah, so it's just branching out, really. When when you're selling a book like that and putting it on Amazon and things, it put, I assume the best place for yourself is probably if they come directly to your website. Yeah, it is because otherwise Amazon got loads of fees. Okay, right. Yeah, I thought I thought so. It's it's like a, you, you have to rent a space in their warehouse for the product. I think, from what that's, I understand. Um, yeah, that's for fulfillment. So there's two Amazons. Amazon is if you fulfill, so you post out, or you've got Amazon fulfillment. And if mm. it's Amazon fulfillment, um, I believe because I haven't used Amazon fulfillment yet. I believe you then have to, once you've got a sale, you have to send Amazon the book straight away that day so they can send it out. Or, yeah, they will be holding it. And, yeah, it it does cost quite a lot for them to hold the books in stock. And I just think I'm I'm trying not to use Amazon that much because of the fees and the margins are just tiny. Yeah, it's that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's that thing where because they're so big, it's the thing that everyone goes to. But for the for the um, manufacturer like yourself on the other side, it's you're sort of forced into that position. But if if people can go directly to your website, that that will be the best the best bet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the easiest thing for me. Um, but I appreciate people do prefer to buy from Amazon, and and that's why they're on there. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and like you were saying, you already have two books that are coming out and like you're working on, which is the the time one and the activity book. And you were saying both of them will be cardboard because they're easy to wipe away as well. Um, but earlier you were saying you had a list of 20 titles. So I'm guessing Happy the Hatties Adventure is not done, not near done at all. No, I'm thinking this is going to go on for years and years and years. <laughs> I can actually announce now because... I'm hoping by the time this is on, that'll be rolled out. I've, I'm doing the books in Hindi and Gujarati. Okay. So, yeah, I've got someone already doing the Gujarati translations because I would not have a clue. <laughs> um, and, and she's verified them with other people as well. So they will be rolled out. I've got um, merchandise that I'm working on. Um, the first week I had people messaging me, Hi, oh, have you got any pencils for Happy the Hattie? Have you got Happy the Hattie some toy yet? Yeah, have you got pencil case? And I'm like, geez, like, I didn't know that anybody would want all this stuff, but there's clearly a few people that want it. And I feel like it will work um, the brand in a positive manner 
and that's what I want it to do really. I mean, these books, so again, I've got the 20 titles. The intention is to preserve the mother tongue. So that's why I've got Punjabi, Hindi and Gujarati. So when I get a demand for any other language, then I'll look into it. But the demand for Hindi and Gujarati was there because I kept getting messages constantly, at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, if not sometimes on the same day, I'd get four or five people. I think it might have been friends that, because I think if you look at something and then your friends will also get something uh, like similar notification. Um, and that's how it works when you like something that's why it's very helpful if you do like and comment um so yeah the intention is to preserve the language and also teach children key things so you know numbers basic words manners there's a family book that I want to do so teaching the family relationship in uh, Punjabi and then obviously it will be rolled out in the other languages but then also there'll be another book aimed at the um older um generation me being older as well um for the for the wider family because there, there's so many different types of different relationships so that book will be a lot bigger yeah so, i can imagine um, that book would be like a more like a novel than anything else because <laughs> yeah you hear someone's wedding and it's like yeah that would be actually really interesting and hopeful yeah so and, and that's the intention and also i want to cover books in terms of like bullying um, and teaching children the importance of not only not bullying but also supporting your friends as well because I think you have that um, initial thing to draw back from it and that's why Happy the Hut has got glasses as well I mean I wear glasses generally mm-hmm. and um, I want children to associate and be like oh Happy the Hut has got glasses and it's okay it's not a it's not the abnormal thing yeah, I was speaking to uh, Ender Basi, um, a boxer, and we were talking about um, like bullying and racism as well. Um, and obviously that video that went round a few weeks ago, the the boy in Telford, yes, um, was obviously like it's it's really bad. And we were saying that it's it's getting better, but I don't think it's ever going to get eradicated, which is it's it's just it's not nice. But then like the the racism side of thing that we were speaking about is that's obviously getting better, and I feel like that will get eradicated, like. Maybe people might still think things, but hopefully they won't say it because now, like, uh, you can't obviously tie it with kids, but in the wider aspect with adults, it's tied to, like, financial income now. Like, you see, if somebody says something publicly, they most likely will lose their job. So hopefully in that respect, things um, will improve in the future. But again, like, having glasses, as you can see, I'm wearing glasses as well. It's it's not the easiest. I had a patka when I was at school as well, and it isn't the easiest, but it definitely is getting better. And hopefully it just continues to get better. Yeah, I, I hope so too. And I feel like books will help. And the schools, I'm sure they are, I don't know what it is now, but I'm sure that they are addressing it, especially with, again, the, the recent incident in uh, Telford. So I, I don't think it'll actually be eradicated. I do think that people unintentionally say things. So I that's where I think it will be. Um, yeah, that's the same conversation me and Inder had as well, is that I don't think it'll be eradicated. I just don't think it's going to be out there as much. Bullying is a separate issue, I think, to the racism, where especially within young boys, um, when you get to like a certain age and testosterone and all that stuff, and then obviously I don't think bullying will ever get eradicated, but I think the racism part might might uh, not be public. People might still think yeah. it, but it's not popular to say it out loud anymore. Yeah, I think that as well. 
and I think it will show in the workplace in terms of favoritism and things but mm. you unless it's so bad and you're logging everything I don't again I agree with you I don't think it'll be as open but yeah so I'm hoping that the books will teach children about equality um and life skills really throughout the series 100% and with diversity um you have these books uh going all over the world you named some of the countries before like Canada um America Australia obviously here in the UK um the couple that I was actually surprised with is Germany and Hong Kong I would say yeah I was surprised with Hong Kong and actually she's actually really nice my customer from Hong Kong and there's a massive community so once she bought them I did get quite a few more sales from Hong Kong Germany so there are actually quite a lot of uh, Punjabis in Germany because my uncle lived there as well mm-hmm. the other one that I was shocked about was um Brazil so oh I had, okay. I had sales in Brazil yeah is there a big up in a community in Brazil so, or there's only a few sales there. I don't know if it's just because he's moved. He did say he's moved there for work, but I don't know if there is a big community there. I think as Happy the Hearty grows, I'll only know then. But yeah, there seems to be. And of the farmers' protest, I've been following that quite closely. There's quite a few pages that document the protests across the world, and is really interesting. I mean, there was Vienna and France on there the other day, and there's quite a, a big community out there as well. I've had a few sales from France, but not in Vienna. I've had a few in Norway. But looking at the protests, the farmers' protests, it's actually quite nice seeing the Punjabi community come together for a great cause. 100%, yeah. And I, I knew there was, um, Italy was, uh, there's quite a few up and families in Italy. There's been like documentaries on them. Um, the farmers in Italy as well, um, is is in like not with the the farmers protests happening now, but I think this was last year that a lot of them are basically taking uh, the jobs of most of the farming people there because the Italians themselves don't want to do the farming. So and then it's but it's similar all across the world. Like um, I did a post recently about um, the Peach King, which is the Dar Singh Baines, and he went to California in like the forties, I think it was, and basically it, he just took his farming education from India and applied it in America and like technologically even though it wasn't like tech technology like but his methods of uh, farming were just advanced from having to do it in India if that makes sense so I feel like that's probably the similar yeah. thing happening in Italy as well oh yeah that that's interesting to know yeah um yeah so as Punjabis we are across the world and it, it's been shown through being united through the farmers protest and I hope that you know they get the results that everyone wants and needs 100% 100% and you were saying that Hindi and Gujarati is that because like uh, they are the languages of India as well so like the other languages that are, are really big in India or was it just because you had requests no it's just because I had requests oh, okay. yeah <laughs> I yeah I wasn't initially thinking of doing other languages so soon because this is still a very new company um, and I say company because you have to operate any product as a company in a business so it's all still new and I was only expecting to do different languages in the next you know three to five years not five six months later. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think you've got to just take every opportunity as it comes and if if like if it has worked out and is working out uh, that you, you have a demand from there then you've just got to cater to it I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm quite lucky because I've built that good relationship with the manufacturer. Usually they require like a 1,000 minimum books printed. But I've told her, I said, look, I'm going to do six books, like three in Hindi, three in Gujarati, and they're going to be the same, practically the same artwork. I can only print like 200 of each uh, and because of funds and because I just want to obviously test out the market as well. And she's agreed to that luckily. So it's... Uh, it's really good building good business relationships as well. 100%. And I imagine that your um, solicitor background will probably come in handy when you're reviewing contracts and things like that as well. Yeah, it has. Um, in fact, I had, uh, I'm not going to name names, I had a contract that this company said that they will help in terms of a new startup. They sent me the contract, their terms and conditions were blurry. And oh. I'm thinking, you know my background. You know I'm going to ask for a clear document that I can review the terms and conditions. So I said that to them and they said, oh, I actually don't think that this is for you, but we wish you all the best. Oh, no. So what was in those terms and conditions? <laughs> they probably have yeah, imperfectuity so no, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All that, you know, percentage of profits went to them or something. You just don't know, do you? So, yeah, it's helped in terms of like confidentiality clauses as well. Mm -hmm. um, my invoicing, although I haven't had to enforce payment of invoices yet, but I know the process. I'm quite familiar. Um, so it, it has helped. And same with the property business. I do my own ASTs. I've started to do my own parents, with, you know, because I've said to them, because the way that my parents operate it, because of the shop, <laughs> the agents would literally just call them hi Kim um such such property this is this needs doing and my mum would, like, would be like yeah okay we'll deal with it so I'm like mate the agents are just like your answer phone machine like, I can do that so yeah. <laughs> save some money so it's just those little things really so being in law and doing a law degree and knowing practicalities has helped me loads 100% I feel like um you can always there's always experiences that just you can just continuously add to your repertoire sort of thing and that's obviously that's a really good one to have uh, law but then uh, like we were saying before the shops are obviously really good for like the business side of things as well yeah um, absolutely how do you feel like uh, being a woman in like an Indian sort of culture and being a businesswoman because you seem like you are taking most things in, in your stride and just sort of like breaking all these sort of barriers that on setting yourself challenges and continuously trying to grow how do you feel like the um sort of representation of an Indian woman do you feel like you have pressure to change that or are you just doing what you need to sort of do um I would say as an Indian woman it's been difficult because some people don't take me seriously right and uh I say that in terms of trying to get deals with other companies in terms of helping each other. They'll have initial chat and they're not even initial chat sometimes. They would say, oh, you know, but you need to think about this. Have you done this? And I'm a bit like, well, yeah, I've already done all of that. And, you know, I've already got all of the set process. So is this something you're looking into partnership with? And I feel that they don't like that I've already done my research and that I do know it. And that, that's happened to me two or three times now. I just feel that the older generation, because they use the successful businesses that have come across that have flagged that, 
just have this perception that I don't really know what I'm doing but yeah. they don't know that I've already done my research etc and you know this market is massive and some people have said to me oh it's well, you know, it's only just a, a little thing that you're doing on the side I'm a bit like no because if I really wanted to I, I wouldn't have to work I could live off what I'm trying to make keep investing and grow business it's just like any other business any business has the potential to be as big as you want it to be and it, it's just that mindset and those people trying to implement that oh it's only just a little thing but I guarantee if it was a man that did it but, oh you've done so well yeah it can do great etc but I don't have that same and it's the same in the legal profession actually mm-hmm. and being an Asian as well and I'm with the Wilkes partnership now and they're absolutely fantastic and they're such a nice firm uh, very flexible and helped me along the way and the partner noticed that another partner at a firm who was Asian was being very difficult with me although I was correct in some of the, the things I was raising he'd be very difficult with me and he said it he goes uh, he goes oh I don't know why so-and-so is being like this but you do find that sometimes when you're a young uh, solicitor and I said yeah and I went you mean young fever and Asian he goes yeah I didn't really want to say that last bit so <laughs> he, he even identifies that it does happen because you're a female and you're Asian there's just this instant perception that you don't really know what you're doing and you're winging it and you know if it was a man that you would you would know that yeah so you feel like there's like still some like sort of condescending behavior whereas you as we we've anybody who's listening to this obviously the the podcast so far we've just discussed many things that most people regardless of gender regardless of race would be able to do like time management alone is a struggle um, but on top fitting everything else in people might see this cardboard book of a happy the hathi but don't realize the amount of research that's went into it not even just like the the book creation itself but all the laws and like legislation that you were saying before like I didn't even know that about this uh um what was the term the CE rating yeah yeah, exactly. Mark, yeah. exactly like all of this that goes into it it's I don't think it becomes a gender or race issue there. It's just mainly like you've got to give credit where credit is due. Yes, no, thank you. Yeah, and I'm one of those people that support anyone and everyone. I get people reaching out, like, oh, can you share this? And, oh, can you follow this? And I don't know if you know about Instagram algorithms and stuff, but (laughs) unfortunately I can't follow people anymore because shadow bans and all of that palaver. But, yeah, I'm happy to share stories and things and, and give out initial advice it's just helping each other whereas I don't like that attitude where it's oh you don't know what you're doing or you need to do I've had people message me saying you need to do this and a bit like just because I haven't flagged everything that I'm doing or announced everything that I'm doing I have thought of it but yeah if you're flagging it are you you offering to help like thank you very much (laughs) they're obviously not but yeah I have had that and like anything and this is a total different topic but then you get other people that just aren't happy for you so yeah I think that's it yeah I think I feel like that's a separate problem especially in our culture uh but I'll I'll not say too much on that part (laughs) part, um and as we say I'll leave all of your links in the descriptions for people to go directly to your website um what are, uh, and they'll see the price points and all that um, for the original three books that are on there. And then 
the books coming forward. But I like to sort of finish on things that aren't really related to what we spoke about so far. Um, and you yeah. love traveling. So you've been to Paris, Dubai, Switzerland, Cancun was on your website. Which one of them did you enjoy the most and for what reason? Hmm. You can say okay. you can say what you enjoyed about each location if you don't want to say like which one, if you don't want to rank them, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay. So I in fact I've I've traveled quite a lot. I've been to different countries. So I'll, I'll just talk about the ones from um the last well not last year because we well I did go traveling start of this year. I only went to Switzerland and Cancun. But so Switzerland I'd say my favorite part was oh god this is difficult because I've done so much and it's Switzerland's just such a different area that I probably wouldn't have I've picked initially but yeah I'd say going up in the mountains because I've never been up in the mountains with the snow and we had our lunch out there and looking at the view so I'd say that was probably the best aspect of Switzerland and then Cancun and I'm sure you know everyone talks about Coco Bongo uh, to be fair I, I, I'm not really fam- I know it's in Mexico but I'm, I'm not really familiar with Cancun yeah so it it's um I wouldn't really call it a club but it's um a venue where they put on a show and then they have music in between so you dance in between but you're still at your seat okay so you're at your seat and there's this show and it's the show is all across the room there's massive stage and the show they go through like massive hits um different films and snippets and it's just and we went to see the venue actually before because it's like oh you can have a look Mm. so we looked and it looked really small and I was like are you kidding me like this is like said it's one of the best places and it looks really small but okay so I didn't have that perception of what's going to be amazing but yeah it was really really good I would go again just for the enough just for the for the atmosphere and the vibes and the dancing in between and then the show it's just yeah, looking at all of that, it was very good. Um, so that's Cancun and Switzerland. Dubai, wow, just the weather, isn't it? And <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, just, I, I love everything about Dubai. And yeah, the, going going into the desert, that that was very good. And the in the jeep, I mean, at times I did feel a bit sick. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, that that was good as well. And what what are the location did you say? I can't recall. Um, Paris, Paris was on here on the list. Yeah, Paris. I went on the Euro train, so that was quite interesting. It was literally as if you go on train from, let's say, Birmingham to London. Obviously, the standards a lot better, but you just couldn't tell that you're going through uh, any tunnel or anything. So that was nice, nice experience going on the train. I loved seeing the Eiffel Tower and the food. I'm a big foodie, so I, I love going out to different restaurants to eat. So the food was amazing. And what I tend to do wherever I go, I need to go on a boat. So even if I'm like going to London for a weekend or something like, oh, we need to go on a boat. Let's go on a water taxi or something. I I just enjoy it. So in Paris, we went on the boat there and seeing all the sights as we went on the the boat. That was really nice and a bit cold because I went in September. Oh, okay, Yeah, I can imagine the weather in Paris probably isn't the best then. Um, When all this COVID malarkey is over and we're uh, uh, able to travel again, where's uh, where's your next destination going to be? Have you thought about this yet or? 
Um, yeah, I think about it every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying to get out and about. Um, I've never been to Marbella. So okay. I'd like, yeah, I'd like to go to Marbella and anywhere. The first destination that I'm allowed to go to, really, and that everyone else can. I know a few people have been going to Dubai recently. Yeah, every influence um, has been going to Dubai recently. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I would love to, but I just think, oh, it's just now because of COVID and things, I just think it's not worth it. And my... Um, money management comes into play thinking now nah, it's not worth it don't go yet <laughs> so uh, i would say I'd like to go to marbella and i would really like to go to iceland i was um my, my cousin's a pilot and he was i was speaking to him the other day and he said i'd love iceland um and it is one of the places i want to go um i don't know if you've seen that documentary that um or docuseries that like zach f1 did on netflix it's like all yeah. about like eco-friendly systems and all this thing but you went to Iceland and it's like it's like really really eco-friendly and you know the um is it Blue Lagoon yeah the, that's yeah. what I want to see yeah yeah that's what I wanted to see as well but that's all so the there's like a spa sort of hotel-y thing that's like attached to where the Blue Lagoon is and that's all self-sustaining using the water vapor from the Blue Lagoon wow that's amazing yeah and then obviously you get the uh, the northern lights as well that you can see which is which is really cool i think i always say the place that i want to go is tokyo it's just it just looks really cool do you know what i mean it's like london on steroids <laughs> yeah people do say tokyo is going to really good i just feel like it'd be too much hustle and bustle for me see i, I quite like that i i, I don't I'm, i've had a few people that have went to dubai and basically came back and said yeah it's really nice for like the weather like you said but I don't know. I feel like New York, um, Tokyo, and probably Rio, as you were saying, Brazil before. Hopefully there's a few up on here. I can say hi, you down there. <laughs> the thing that would worry me about Tokyo is the language barrier. Um, I feel like they're quite, like, they're, they're probably not as ignorant as English-speaking countries, as in they'll probably understand English. Um, and if okay. they don't, I feel like they're so technologically advanced that they have like uh the thing, yeah. something there like what well, google translate or something do you know what I mean because uh, it does literally like the people that i know who've been there have just said it's like stepping into the future which to me like uh is it like a bit of a tech nerd is is what i would want yeah. to see <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, maybe i'll add that to the list yeah yeah um so as christmas was yesterday uh because this isn't recorded in advance at all um how was your christmas <laughs> Yes, Christmas was great, thank you. It was uh, very different to other years. So usually we would have our three households get together. So that's my household and my two thighs households would all get together. And, um, you know, shop life as it is. So the shop's still open on Christmas Day, but it's only open 10 till 2. So that's very different to a normal day. Um, so yeah, it has been quite different because we'd usually all get together, have Christmas dinner, open presents together. Whereas this year it's been our household and we've just watched movies and played games, had to YouTube them to keep everyone entertained. Um, and that's it really. So it's quieter one, done some online shopping, trying to get some bargains. Black Friday sales. <laughs> yes yeah I did actually shop in the Black Friday sale as well and I thought well I need to wait for uh, Boxing Day because next as much as everyone says it next is actually quite good so yeah that that's what I went on for. Is there any uh, Christmas traditions that you have in your, your household? 
No. 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 No tradition. It would usually be that we all just get together and and have Christmas dinner. We all cook a certain thing each year, but no, nothing. How about you? Yeah, same. To be fair, shop life as well. Uh, Tento too, similarly. Uh, Is it? Yeah, yeah, similarly. We we have had um, longer hours in previous years, but the more that years go on, you sort of like. And we've had, we normally have a, my, my Massey comes up from Leicester. Um, so, yeah, but shop life again. We normally just do exactly the same. You have your food, open your presents. I think our tradition is normally, because my Massey normally comes on Christmas Eve, like during the day. So we end up just talking for like hours and hours into the early morning. So our yeah. tradition sort of became that we just open the presents at like one or two o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, it's just one of them things that happens every year so I guess you could call that a tradition but other than that it's yeah movies games monopoly and then make up with a card game or something that's no but nobody will lose <laughs> yeah um yeah and what I do is with every with every guest is finish up with quick fire questions but I think I need to rename them into like deep questions because they end up just becoming like soul-searching questions or something so uh, well if it's okay, okay crack through these. take as long as you want to answer the questions because they're no longer going to be titled quickfire um what are you most proud of my parents what's your favorite memory of your career so far <laughs> self-publishing my books uh, what are you most looking forward to? Wow, this is really hard, isn't it? <laughs> well, another thing, I'm getting married, so I'm looking forward to that. Congratulations. Thank um, you. Oh, was that going to happen this year? or have, is it... No, no. It's oh, always it's... been for next year. So, And even if there's still restrictions, just keep it as it is. Um, what is your biggest motivation? Financial freedom. What is your definition of success? To have free time. You can't have both financial freedom and free time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And last but not least, because it is the CultureCast podcast, how do you think your culture has affected your journey thus far? Massively, because I've created a business out of it. Yeah definitely well um again thank you for your time so much um all of your links to your personal social media the happy the hathi website happy the hathi's social medias will be in the link below for anybody who wants to check that out um if you have any young cousins or nephews and nieces you know what to get them for christmas next year i guess or for their birthdays or and just keep an eye out for um the upcoming projects yes thank you very much thanks for having me No worries.